You want to have some fun? Just say you don't need life insurance. Say that to a life insurance person and you <laughs> you have so much fun in receiving the multitude, the plethora of rebuttals to your uh, declaration. It's actually kind of funny. It's almost like talking to the climate change alarmist about how you don't believe CO2 is going to kill us all. Uh, it's actually uh, it's, it's funny. It'll be fun. So this episode, we're going to talk about life insurance and whether or not you need it or not. And, uh, and I'll just share with you my own feelings on this and you can take it as it is. So I'm going through a uh, this. Uh, by the way, this is part one of my June 15th, 2019 uh, podcast uh, here at the Josh Ganlin podcast, because with my arm in a uh, splint for the next five weeks and three days. I won't be doing a whole lot of videos, so I'll be doing podcasts instead. So we'll be doing a lot of stuff on the podcast. Uh, so I'm reading a, uh, I'm going through my litany of uh, Journal for Financial Planning magazines I have. I'm looking stacked over there on top of each other. This is from the Financial Planning Administration Association, FPA, uh, which I've since uh, dropped my membership on. The reason I did is because they engage in racism, i.e. their thing on uh, when they had written four articles on the cover page, not one, not two, not three, not four, uh, but on political Marxism, essentially. It's called uh, liberation theology uh, and uh, critical race theory and how we need to incorporate this in financial planning. And I, I won't have anything to do with any organization that talks about critical race theory as if it's anything other than Marxism, because that's what it is. So I dropped my membership FPA. And if you are a budding member or considering it because you're in this business, I highly suggest you get out of the FPA too until they uh, uh, fly right, uh, because uh, they're, this is just nuts. The idea that critical race theory and liberation theology is even incorporating itself in financial planning is nuts. So forget them. But anyway, so I'm reading through my uh, my litany of uh, Journal for Financial Planning, and I came across this one, and it was this June 2018 issue uh, that says uh, it's a rebuttal uh, to David Cordell's article that he said that he had written in the Wall Street Journal that I don't need life insurance. So we're going to go over this a little bit. Uh, and I just want to share with you my thoughts on life insurance. But before we do, please listen to my sponsors. They help with the podcast. Of course, uh, sponsorships are wonderful to pay me a little bit of money, which I greatly appreciative, uh, which gives me the motivation, frankly, to keep doing this. I love the podcast. I'll keep doing it anyway. But, you know, seeing you making a couple bucks a day is always helpful. So uh, listen to the sponsors, if you will. Don't forget any place you see this on iTunes, on Anchor, on Google Play. Uh, of course, if you're seeing this on YouTube, by all means, give me a thumbs up, a five-star rating. Comments are always, I cannot stress to you, YouTube and Apple, and I guess Google Play too. Well, Google is part of YouTube or YouTube is part of Google. So anytime you engage with an episode, it helps me immensely. That's with a thumbs up and that's with a comment. All right. So anytime you engage helps me immensely. So even if you say, Josh, you're a biggest loser or Josh, you're the best in sliced bread. Anything like that is helpful. So uh, do list the sponsors and then we'll be right back. Thanks. All right. So uh, David Cordell, which I'm a big fan of uh, David Cordell, he's written a lot in Journal for Financial Planning and other financial planning rags I've read over many, many years. And I, I'm a, a huge fan of this guy. Uh, he had written an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, that said uh, dated March 18th, 2018, do most people need life insurance? And uh, some of the rebuttals to his article, here's one. 
uh, from Wilthbert Payne, who's a CPA, and a couple other things. I don't know what these things stand for. CGMA and FCA. I have no idea what those are. Uh, he says, uh, Dear uh, David, uh, you do need life insurance because your grandchild could be born with special needs requiring 24-7, 365 care. I'm talking from experience. All right. Yeah. Uh, then another guy, uh, David Smith, who's a PhD, a CFP, and a CLU. That's a life insurance. Uh, I don't even know what CLU, but anytime you see CLU, you know it's a life insurance guy. Uh, he, his arguments are one, two, three, four, five. Are the rule of thumb is only as lame as to which it is put. Uh, so you meant then number two, you mentioned having sufficient liquid assets that are accessible quickly. Uh, number three, how much capital does? Let, actually, let's go over these one by one. So. I'm not going to talk about the rule of thumb because I actually agree with that. The rule of thumb is only as lame as uh, to which you make it. I agree with that. So I'm not, I mean, any, we can kill any rules of thumb. And I'll share you my rule of thumb, though. Uh, you mentioned I have sufficient assets that are ready available. He says, I see that you don't have a need for life insurance death benefits for the immediate liquidity the contract provides. So what he's saying is, David is saying he doesn't have a need for life insurance anymore because he saved enough in which his wife will be fine at his demise and his kids as well. And so this guy, David Smith, says, I see you don't have a need for life insurance death benefits anymore. But life insurance has changed since the days of the 20-year term. Your possible future is not just raising kids and dying. Uh, for example, what will happen to expenses is a great question. Life insurance can also provide liquidity to pay for an extended care expenses through the acceleration of the death benefit while you're alive but needing care. This feature will protect all liquid assets from decay due to exorbitant care costs. Uh, it's just, uh, <laughs> uh, let me just keep going. Your discussion really is about the death benefit, but did you say life insurance implying a life insurance contract? And there are other ways to use insurance contracts for needs aided by benefits paid at death. Uh, you can be perfectly healthy, for example, have a 10% of the death benefit paid to you per year. For All right, so basically this guy's talking about whole life and all the benefits thereof, and I just, uh, man. All right, so let's talk about what the thing he says. He says life insurance can also provide liquidity to pay for extended care. Uh, it's saying what's called accelerated death benefits, my friends. An accelerated death benefit means you can tap into the death benefit for nursing home costs and even, I'm sure, in-home health care costs now. Uh, to to essentially use that to pay for some support while you're alive, i.e., you need some lady from uh, visiting angels to come to your home. It costs you five thousand bucks a month. You can tap into your death benefit, accelerated death benefit, to pay for five thousand dollars a month for uh, visiting angels to come and uh, change your diaper or something like that. All right, so that's an accelerated death benefit. Now that amount of money will be reduced from the death benefit at death. So if you had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar death benefit and you use 100000 as an accelerated death benefit to pay for nursing home costs at your demise. It'll only be $150,000 to your your heirs. Okay. All right. That's fine. But uh, the life insurance isn't free. Right? There's a significant cost for having this what's called, an, I would say, is an option. You're having the option, like an option, like old-fashioned option strategy. You're buying the right to use this benefit later on uh, for an unforeseen circumstance, in this case, you don't know if you're going to need uh, assisted living or not, but you're going to pay money for the option that if you do, you'll have the ability to tap into it. Like any option, it's not free. Options cost a lot of money and they cost more and more when it comes to life insurance the older you get. 
The reason for that is simply because you're closer to dying, which means the insurance company is closer to paying out the death benefit. So they're going to charge you. So you're buying this option to use something that may or may not happen in the future. Now, unfortunately, unlike homeowner's insurance, all right, this is where life insurance people always look at and long-term care people too. They say, look, you pay for homeowner's insurance. Well, if you didn't use it, does that mean it's a waste of money? The answer is no, it's not a waste of money. However, if you're getting a mortgage, you're, you have to have homeowner's insurance. No bank is going to underwrite your mortgage without homeowner's insurance. We know that for a fact. Secondly, homeowners insurance doesn't cost thousands of dollars a year, increasing each and every year as you get closer to death. That homeowners insurance, you can say is 1500 bucks a year or something like that. We'll just say that, for example, and it might increase with inflation. I get that. But it doesn't increase ex exponentially like life insurance does. And that's where these guys miss. They're like, oh, you have homeowners insurance. You never argue that you pay for homeowners insurance in your house and it burned down. So it was a wasted expense. That's what they say when it comes to long term care and life insurance. Well, you didn't use it. That, well, yeah, but it costs more and more and more as you get older. And how you know this? Look at the cost for a 20 year term. For a 50-year-old guy right now, all right, now he's when he hits 70 years old, that 20-year flat fee is over, see what the costs are then. It jumps significantly, exponentially it jumps. And I, off the top of my head, I don't even know, but we're talking a factor of 10, 15, 20, something like that. So the cost of homeowner's insurance never goes like that. It doesn't do it. And the reason for that is because the liability to the insurance company is pretty much stable. It's a $250,000 home adjusted each and every year with inflation. The liability to an insurance company for life insurance on you increases dramatically the older you get. The older you get, the more likely you are to die, the more likely the insurance company is going to have to pay that $250,000 or $500,000 death benefit. So because of that, the costs are quite uh, cheap on the front end because you're not likely to die. They get significantly more expensive on the back. And the funny thing about what this guy doesn't talk about, which no life insurance guys do, is that he doesn't talk about the facts are the expenses. The expenses get more expensive the closer you need to have the insurance benefit. And so it gets it per, so expensive that there comes a time where you probably aren't going to pay it anymore at the most inopportune time. You're going to let the life insurance lap, lapse at the most inopportune time when you're going to actually need to tap into the benefit. And I just find that funny that this guy doesn't talk about. I've seen so many instances where a person 72 years old, they can't afford the long-term care anymore and they just let it lapse. And I've said, this is the worst time to let it lapse because now you're more likely to need it than you did when you first took it out. So I find that kind of silly, actually. And then they talk, and this guy doesn't talk about the, you know, the cost of being underwritten, the cost of the life insurance. He just talks about that basically uh, the years of 20-year term policies are over. There are other types of insurance now. Yeah, other types of insurance that cost more money for sure. All right. Uh, how much capital does my wife need, David says? Uh, and this is what's funny, too, because the uh, David Smith says, oh, at uh, least... <laughs> David Smith says, that leads me to ask if your wife was involved in the discussion on life insurance. I, these freaking life insurance purveyors drive me flipping insane. Oh, so I, I assume you're making a decision on behalf of your wife. Let me ask your wife, the white knight thing. I'm going to ask your wife. And of course, David says, oh, don't get me wrong. My wife was absolutely involved in the conversation. I just, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. 
Well, Richard, you're making a decision on your wife. Does she agree? Huh? As if the white knight life insurance guy is there to protect the wife more than the husband. It's just nuts. Uh, let's see. Legacy planning. You bring up the cotton. Again, this is David Smith's rebuttal to David Cordell saying he doesn't need life insurance. You bring up the costs associated with dying. But what about wanting to do something at your benefit uh, at your death that benefits others. The University of Texas proudly announces the endowed chair of finance program named in the, the whatever. I just this is a nice ring to it. It might have a nice ring to it if you're the agent selling the policy. It may not have a nice ring to it if you are the person who's got to pay for the policy. And if you announce your irrevocable intention to do so and fund it with life insurance, you might get better tickets to the basketball games. A living benefit. It's just, uh, I just, I hate that stuff. They're basically uh, appealing to your need to say, look at me, everybody. I have this endowed chair and I'm going to be you know, recognized by the university as a, as a go-getter who's going to leave money to the school. I just, I, it's, look, man, you, <laughs> I just hate that argument. I hate it. It's, a, it's an argument to make to David Cordell, the naysayer on if I have a need of life insurance, while you're discussing it, say, look, do you want to leave some money to the chair? Yes. But to do so after the fact, as it has a nice ring to it. You should have an endowed chair at the University of Texas. That might not have a nice ring to it. Your life insurance agent is just saying that as a way to make the sale. This, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, then he talks about the Monte Carlo simulation, what David does, David Cordell. Uh, uh, let's see. You seem to be okay with the risk to your wife's financial future. If your wife is your wife okay with that? Again, part two is your wife okay with your financial planning? Because here I am, the life insurance agent is going to be the white knight and solve your wife's risk by giving you life insurance. Because even though you did a Monte Carlo simulation or stimulation, it might not be enough. And I am the life insurance going to make sure that she understands the risk. And I'm going to sell her on the fear of you not having enough life insurance because you, my friend, David Cordell, were not willing to protect your wife the way I was the life insurance uh, guy. And this is what David Smith says, uh, life insurance agent. What if not only bad investment returns move you to the left hand tail of the risk reward or the uh the Gaussian bell curve. And if you look at what Nassim uh, Nicholas Taleb talks about, this, the black tail, so you, or the, 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 I'm drawing a blank, the thick tail, fat tails, fat tails. So uh, a typical standard deviation bell curve, you have thin tail, narrow tails on the left, on the right hand side of it, and you can do standard deviations, whatnot. But there's actually fat tails, which says there's more risks than a lot of people recognize with a typical bell curve. And this guy is saying, what if not only bad investment returns move you to the left-hand uh, fat tail, i.e., what if you got crunched more so than the Monte Carlo simulation says? Uh, what about unplanned for cash outflow? Extend, again, extended care, uh, paying for a dr uh, child's drug rehabilitation, caring for a grandchild, uh, pension plans going broke. So what's going on with these life insurance purveyors is they're feeding off the negative and actually it freaking pisses me off. They're feeding off the negative. That just... You look, man, if you need to use the world is collapsing to make your sale, please find another line of work. I mean, I, absolutely. Now, with that said, you kind of look at the risk. Absolutely. You can look at the risk and you can say, hey, there are risks that everything you do is the risk to avoid worth the cost. And that's what this guy, David Smith, does not talk about the cost. So. Uh, let's see. Uh, so here's David Cordell's rebuttal. Most of the points they raise relate to the many uses and benefits of life insurance contract. Uh, and I fully agree with them because David Cordell knows what the hell they are. The benefits related to life insurance. 
Still, life insurance, although very flexible, is not a free good and is increasingly less free in my age bracket. Further, while life insurance contracts can be used for various purposes, they're not always the most efficient approach. Exactly. Yes, life insurance proceeds can provide funds for the unlikely case that I'll have a uh, disadvantaged child yeah, or grandchild. Hey, see, that's It can be used for the unlikely event to happen. That is correct. The cost is not unlikely, though. You're guaranteed to pay a cost for an unlikely event. That might be a, worth, a risk worth taking. But let's not assume these events are going to happen to make the cost warranted. That's what all these life insurance. Josh, what if, what if, what if, what if? I'm like, yes, but the cost is a what if. The cost is, 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 not what if, if, no, not if, is. Ah. Uh, let's see. I'll also have a, although it's looking increasingly unlikely that I'll even have grandchildren. It could also provide a larger legacy for my children, although unless something extraordinary happens, my wife and I will leave much more to our children than our parents left to us. Yes, we could bequeath a substantial legacy to charities or our church, which is already included in our wills. All those goals are admirable, but they fall need of uh, they fall out of the realm of need. Exactly right. Is there a need for life insurance? Well, don't you want to do this? Uh, do this? Don't you want to do that? I lead more money to church. I take advantage of uh, tax heirs. Do this, that, the other. Those are needs. Those are wants. Needs versus wants. And the question is, do I need life insurance? Not do I want it. Uh, I certainly needed a death benefit in my earlier life, and I was insured more than adequately. I didn't take the position that death benefits should assure that the then current lifestyle could be maintained. Rather, I wanted to ensure that my family would be able to experience the lifestyle we'd eventually achieve if I lived for an entire career. Life insurance was a critical aspect of my personal financial planning back then. The question raised in my column, however, is whether I need life insurance anymore. As to the suggestion that my wife may not have a voice in the decision to until that when I let my policy lapse, oh, fear not. We bought our policies at the same time and we let them lapse at the same time. And thus, she doesn't have a need for life insurance either. I, man, right on. That, just the whole thing is do you need life insurance? Well, how about all these other things that you want? Wants and needs are two completely different things. All right, so here's my rule of thumb. You ready? I have 49, going on 49 uh, years old here in about a month, all right? I have a significant mortgage, unfortunately. I have uh, four children still that are on the dole uh, from your old buddy, Josh. And my wife works uh, now, which she does, but she doesn't make much money. So if I die, I need all that to go away. Not my kids, but the mortgage and the debt. And I need her to have enough income in which she can live for at least a few years uh, without having to worry before she goes back to work. So I have enough money to pay off all of our debts and to provide her at least, in this case, five years of my income so she can live without debts and just sit back and figure out what to do next. Now, I do not have enough to fund my college, my kids' education. Now, she could use the remaining part of the debt, and if she wanted, I don't have enough to do that because I frankly don't care. I don't believe that college is mandatory. I don't believe that you should spend 100000 a year uh, for education. I don't think it's worth it. And secondly, I don't think I have the, I don't want to pay for that. That's that's not a need. That is a want to be able to put all four kids through college. Secondly, what a life insurance, a lot of life insurance purveyors will do is they'll say uh, 4% a year, never tap the principal. I've never understood that, that whole mechanism of this uh, life insurance needs analysis. So it's $40,000 a year for education. Let's just say I need a million bucks uh, life insurance. 
Why? Because I can tap into 40,000 a year without touching the principal. Why would I not want to touch the principal? It doesn't make any sense. So what my rule of thumb is for life insurance, for a need. Now, this is different than a want. This is a need. You got enough to pay off the debts and two years of living expenses for your surviving spouse. That's it. That's the need. That's not a want. That's a need. Enough to pay all the debts plus two years living expenses for your surviving spouse. So if you if your debts are $200,000 and it costs you $25,000 a year to live, you have $250,000 of life insurance as a need. That's my rule of thumb. You can smash. I don't care how you do it. You can smash it all day long. But that is what you should look at for your life insurance needs. Two years of living expenses or five years. You want to do five? That's fine, too. I don't care. I got five years for my wife. But all the debts paid off plus two years living expenses. That is your need for life insurance. That simple. If Again, if you want to leave a legacy to the church, if you want to have a chair endowed in your name so you can tell your alma mater, look at me, I'm Josh Scanlon, George Mason Economics Department. They love me. More power to you. Hope you're not doing that Oberlin College because they're not going to give you an endowed chair because they got to pay the lawsuit, which they just lost, 44 million bucks. So just be careful on endowing anything to the university because your money might not go where you thought. So that is my rule of thumb for life insurance. Nothing fancy there for your needs. For wants is a whole different story, but then we're having a different discussion. Is it worth your wants to pay the increasing fees to cover that want? I don't know. We have to talk about that. All right. As always, don't forget to subscribe, five-star rating, give me comments, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.